Hello, everyone, and welcome to Trilio Insights on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright. In an age where 94% of enterprises use cloud services, the way we manage our digital infrastructure has never been more critical. OpenStack, with its vast capabilities for handling diverse workloads, and Kubernetes, the go-to for container orchestration, both play pivotal roles in modern cloud architecture. Kevin Jackson, our Director of Product Management here at Trilio, joins me today to peel back the layers of these two giants in the cloud orchestration arena. Kevin, welcome. Hi. Hi, Pete. How's it going? It's going very well. I'm so glad to have this conversation and, and welcome you to episode one. I wonder if we could start with setting the table a little bit. My lens on these two blocks of cloud infrastructure is narrow. Can you give me a sense of just how important OpenStack and Kubernetes are to the modern cloud? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So I always like to start off in the world of history. So historically, OpenStack came first. So OpenStack is a uh, an open source cloud infrastructure platform, which allows you to basically have control over your data center resources. Uh, the focus is around ease of management of, of all those resources of uh, compute, uh, networking, and storage. And so it's a great um, starting point for people to move off from the world of traditional uh, virtualization. So people are managing virtual machines, and that's where their applications uh, run on. But OpenStack is a, an infrastructure as a service platform. It's very much um, more geared towards the infrastructure uh, management uh, side of things. Enter stage left, Kubernetes. Kubernetes kind of takes the idea of being able to manage those resources, but you're getting down to a much more granular uh, level. You get into a stage where it's very relevant for the application owners themselves. So why is this all important? So from one side of the house where you've got uh, IT engineers, they wanted a, a good way of managing the, their infrastructure. And then on the right-hand side, you've got the developing. Very important for developers to be able to have consistency around the deployment and management of their applications. And so when you think about the importance, you've got one side of the house, which is saying, hey, look, my infrastructure is important. I manage these data centers, and I need to have uh, an efficient way of managing those resources for my users. And then the other side of the house, you've got the application owners and developers going, well, I want to manage my resources in an efficient and very a uh, scalable and inefficient way. My understanding is the modern way we make decisions like this is a cage fight, right? So we just put a developer and an engineer in a cage and see what happens, right? right. Who, what goes into making these decisions? Uh, you know, when you are, if you're put in a position of having to say, you know, who am I making happy here? Um, at, what goes into deciding OpenStack versus Kubernetes? Well, I mean, I, I guess that's the, that's the interesting thing. I mean, like anything in IT, I think one of the, one of the biggest elephants in the room is the fact that you can solve, you know, an IT problem in a thousand ways, right? There's there's always a way mm -hmm. of you you can manage applications um, just using the world of OpenStack. Um, I can guarantee that the IT organization be very happy because that's how they can, as I say, easily consistently manage the 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 physical stuff. When you walk into a data center, they can see and touch things and they want to be able to manage them uh, in, in an effective way. A, a developer could 
could use that. Uh, OpenStack has some great tools. It's got a fantastic ecosystem. And to be fair, um, you know, if we talk in, if we had this conversation uh, 10 years ago, people would be very happy to have uh, a cloud platform like uh, OpenStack, which will um, scale their applications appropriately. Um, it just so happens that they somebody demanded a little bit more. Somebody demanded more flexibility. Somebody demanded a little bit um, or, or looked at the limitations of a solely infrastructure service platform like OpenStack and said, actually, look, as a developer, I want to be able to control load balance resources. As an application owner, I want to make sure that when when I'm losing, you know, uh, I don't know, a server or a data center, then I want to be able to uh, make sure that my application continues to to run. So, in terms of the cage fight, in terms of like them versus us, I mean, this is where you get to that 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 infamous kind of world of of DevOps. Whilst it's not, you know, this was never meant to be an answer to to pure DevOps and that completely overused phrase and term, it's very relevant for this conversation because I do think ops, infrastructure as a service, OpenStack and Dev, Kubernetes. And I think that's where, that's certainly where this story should begin. I had, was having a conversation with a developer friend. He's a, an architect uh, the other day. And he said, you know, one of the things that that he's constantly trying to navigate is the budget of the unknown. And th- that... Often, even though we're making a decision to go with an older tool in the in the stack, we're doing it because the newer tool offers too many unknowns and it exceeds that budget that we just need to go with the thing we know, the thing we have confidence in. Can you talk a little bit, a bit about making this choice from the perspective of the budget of the unknown? Is there is there something uh, to that argument when making a choice between these two products? So again, going back to that cage fight and the fact that this is versus. And sure, I love being in the I cage. Mean, <laughs> ironically, we, we're, we're talking OpenStack versus Kubernetes, but uh, you know, ultimately, without spoiling the, the the narrative, you know, there's a there's a complementary force between them. There's a natural force between the two. But if we're going with the the narrative of this, so yeah, the infrastructure side of things, that's their comfort zone, right? It's all about being able to physically understand the fact that it, this is a compute node, there's a virtual machine, and it runs some stuff. To me, that's a very comforting sort of place for for certainly a a large swathe of the of the audience. But then, if you if I was talking to a developer or an application owner, the whole premise of Kubernetes is the fact that they didn't want they don't want to know about the infrastructure, they don't want to know about the IP stack, they don't want to know about how the cables and the color of the cables and what storage is being used. They only care that their WordPress application or the message queue, the Redis or whatever is actually functioning correctly. From a conceptual side of things, there are people who go, Do you know what? I'm very comfortable with the fact that when I deploy my code, it just runs. That's my level of comfort. And then you've got the other side of the house where you've got database engineers going, well, I actually need to physically know where which disk my tables land on 
because if I need to make sure that those disks are spinning correctly or they're available, because if not, this whole organization will fail. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think there is a, there is that level of like, well, I know this world and I know this world. And that's why, that's why we have these, these two separate platforms. It seems like your effort to break the dramatic narrative of this conversation has worked because you start bringing up like this, this whole idea of management granularity, right? The idea that we can, that, that the code just works, but we we can manage it at whatever level of detail we need to manage it. Seems like now we're talking about not choosing one over the other, but how do we orchestrate them together? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So yes, yeah, I, I see it as, a, as an evolution. So OpenStack came along, I say it was brilliant. It was meant to be the on-prem version of the, the world of cloud and Amazon and all the forces that came with that. So it was great to, to begin with, answered a lot of questions. But again, as I say, we've got this thing called Kubernetes now, which basically you, you start to abstract a lot of the concepts, which from an infrastructure person listening, or if they've never seen Kubernetes, they'll understand the concepts. You know, there are load balancers. There are this idea of code running on some, say, worker nodes. But it's not that far removed to realize, you know, in the world of IT, everything we talk about here is it, it, there's, a, there's a physical server. Even in the world of serverless, which is a completely different conversation, there are still servers. So it's just some servers. And all it is is the fact that this code just has to run somewhere. But somebody's just taken this, this idea of instead of me saying that I, I am going to write this application and very specifically, it's going to run on this group of virtual machines. This application owner is going to say, well, I'm just going to deploy to this particular cluster and I'm going to let this cluster handle the placement of those particular resources. I'm going to, I'm going to describe in pure software. What happens when one of those pieces of software fails? I should have four or five instances of this, this code running on this cluster. This cluster is made up of many physical machines. I don't care where it runs. I just need to make sure that there are five instances of this application running. I just need to describe that when somebody comes in and, you know, the, the request hits a load balancer that it then ends up on one of these these application uh, nodes that are, that are running. I don't care what the name of the node is. I don't care what type of technology the load balancer is. I just need to make sure that this is working as expected. This is where the element of control and the complementary factors come into play with OpenStack and Kubernetes because OpenStack itself has this ab abstraction layer. In other words, I can wheel in some Dell servers and run OpenStack on there. I can run in some, uh, you know, HP servers and run OpenStack on there. And people, people consuming that particular platform, they have no idea what, what the badge is on the front of those servers. So there's a level of abstraction. Um, you can define load balancers, but it's just a little bit more explicit. You're actually telling OpenStack, I want to create a load balancer. I want to create a virtual machine. But in the world of Kubernetes, it's just a case of, I don't know what you're creating, but just run my application. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, yeah. there's a lot of people who know what, what's being created. And they're creating containers or in the world of virtual machines in Kubernetes. But it's a little bit more abstract. It's a little bit more of just just let the technology handle the how, how things come to be. Um, as long as I've described the relationships and the path of how things go from one place to the other, in, again, in, and the key thing here is in, in pure software land, then everybody's happy. But this goes back to the complementary side of things. This is where we have to think about the as-a-service uh, layering. So OpenStack is the infrastructure as a service layer. So, hey, I can manage my, my physical machines now in a, in a programmatical API-driven way. Kubernetes is essentially an application that runs on top of OpenStack. 
Kubernetes has a, um, a little bit of dual functionality at this stage because technically you can have Kubernetes managing infrastructure elements as well. So this is where that blurred line and the, you know, bringing back this little cage fight of the versus comes into play. Um, sure. You know, this is a case of like, well, I've got OpenStack and I've got Kubernetes. Well, that's really good because you've got the ultimate flexibility of managing physical hardware, physical data center stuff, as well as all the complementary and all the abstract layers and the consistency that Kubernetes brings. But you can do away with uh, OpenStack as well and just have Kubernetes run on bare metal. And you can, and from an application point of view, they see no different. But the advantage of running one on top of the other is the fact that you keep the IT engineers happy. You can scale things seamlessly. And it's that scaling and manageability point of view, which, which is why Kubernetes and OpenStack become very, very nice and very complementary to, uh, to each other. Kevin, how does one go about, uh, you know, navigating this blurred line? Everything you're talking about says, you know, these the Kubernetes and OpenStack can work together, and there's kind of a blurry line between the two. What do you do to to you know bridge that gap? Yeah, I think there's um, there's there's almost like a, an a, an overwhelming sort of like urgency to say, hey, look, I run virtual machines, but I need to go to this cloud native world of running running containers. And I think um, when we talk about the the the, the reason why you know, a lot of people are in this this middle ground of running infrastructure as a service as well as Kubernetes is the fact that there are still applications that that run really well in the world of OpenStack as virtual machines. And then obviously there's this cloud native world which begs itself to have a re-architecture, a, you know, a, a re-development um, you know, of the, their applications to actually work correctly with um, with Kubernetes. But there's a, there's a middle ground. Um, uh, in the Kubernetes world, there's a um, an add-on, a project called uh, Kubevert, so uh, developed by uh, the Red Hatters. Uh, so again, we see this in the OpenShift virtualization space, of course, uh, as well. But this allows you to run virtual machines on OpenShift and on uh, on Kubernetes uh, as well. And so what you get, and then this goes back to that point about the you know people who can run um, you know. Uh, Kubernetes on on pure bare metal and just see that as a as the infrastructure um, platform, um, negating things like uh, OpenStack under the hood to do the the, the 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 scaling. But in terms of running virtual machines, um, it just allows that on ramp into the world of of Kubernetes. It allows them to use all the constructs and all the the reasons why you would go to Kubernetes, the abstract layers, the fact you can describe everything in pure software. Um, but you don't have to refactor your application. It's a virtual machine. You can onboard your applications. And so you've got this way of managing your traditional applications and your containerized applications through Kubernetes. And it's no different now to managing your virtual machine. So there's a nice on-ramp. There's a nice in-between. But even if I wouldn't even say that, you know, Kubert and OpenShift is, is, is a, is a versus of OpenStack. It's certainly complementary. It's certainly, it's just a, a different way of getting to the world of Kubernetes. But I still recommend that you would still have an infrastructure as a service under the hood. It's just so you've got that, that management layer for the physical stuff. There are still physical machines you still have to manage. It seems to me like what you're describing is the circumstance of a mature infrastructure organization. Is that a fair assessment? Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So give me a state from your perspective where the industry is now. Are they moving in this direction toward maturity? What is the bell curve? Like? Well, yeah, it's weird. I've been in this industry for, for quite a long time. <laughs> I could say one thing about like, hey, this is what the industry runs. 
and you suddenly realize you're in you're in a bubble. Everything in IT, yeah, there's your bubble. Everything's <laughs> in a bubble. So like in one particular bubble, the whole world runs Kubernetes, and in another bubble, the whole world is running just uh, you know public cloud and infrastructure as a service. But I think the reality yeah. is, um, I think there's a there's a big middle ground of people running traditional virtualization. There are people who are running pure OpenStack. There are people running pure OpenStack and dipping their toes into the world of Kubernetes. And then you've got some big organizations, and this is where the bubble comes into, into play. You've got some really big organizations that put, you know, 100% effort into the world of, of Kubernetes, which makes it look like the whole of the IT world is running Kubernetes, but it's just because it's those big names. It's the, it's the, it's the things which, you know, people standing up on stage at KubeCon, you think this is the, this is the be all and end all. But I think from, from my point of view and what, what I've been witnessing is there is a, a, a large, mature Kubernetes crowd. But I genuinely think that the vast majority of people are still trying to work out the, the best use of Kubernetes and the best use of something like uh, OpenStack under, under the hood. And this is, a, this is a very interesting world, certainly for Trilio, because we get to see both sides of the, uh, of the equation. But I, that's where I think most people uh, are. You know, it's you know, if we could get people to stand up and put their hands up and say, "Yeah, Kev, you're absolutely right. This is where this is where we are." I genuinely think that it's a mix. A genuine, the biggest pool is a mix of people who are taking full advantage of OpenStack, which is really good, and there are people who are taking you know a lot of advantages from from Kubernetes, but it's not 100% all in in one or the other. You dropped Trilio and the things that you're seeing in the industry. Since this is episode one, Kevin, I feel like I need to to offer you the platform to talk a little bit about the Trilio participation in this space. Can you tell us a little bit about what we're doing here? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Trilio provides uh, backup recovery and disaster recovery uh, software solutions for OpenStack and for for Kubernetes. I'm shocked. I'm so surprised. I'm shocked. I'm yeah, sorry. absolutely. Shocked that there's Kubernetes happening in this environment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Who 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 would have thought? Um, right. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, um, so yeah. This uh, this is the software which um, basically slots into the world of OpenStack and slots into the world of uh, Kubernetes, and it's the reason why we get to see both. And so from a personal point of view, it's, 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 it's great because we do get to play with my, my, my favorite platform, which is OpenStack. I think uh, anybody who knows me in the industry would actually, you know, <laughs> know that, that, I, that I don't shy away from, <laughs> from, uh, from that uh, admission. But equally, seeing what you can achieve in, in Kubernetes and just being able to work with companies who are taking advantage of Kubernetes or being able to scale their environment on both platforms. Um, yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a very uh, unique and privileged position, uh, to be honest. Well, I sure appreciate this, Kevin. Thank you so much for being here, for educating us on how we navigate the world of our uh, gentle cage fight. Thank you also for being our legendary first guest on the show. We sure appreciate you. Thanks very much. Thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. Thank you for your time and your attention. We encourage you to learn more. And, and I'll tell you what, the easiest way to do that is just swipe up in the show notes for the episode. You will see links to everything that we have mentioned, all of the links to uh, services and pages where you can learn more about everything that Kevin has been talking about uh, for the last little while. On behalf of Kevin Jackson, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch up with you next time right here on Trilio Insights. Trilio Insights.